Good morning, everyone. Uh, so glad that y'all are with us today. We are um, just wrapping up a series on change that we started with the beginning of the year. And today I want to jump into a section on change or a part of embracing change in our lives and uh, for the better uh, that we don't like. And that's changing through struggles. Last week we talked about some uh, disciplines we could adopt to help us change for the better. And I'm all for that. But what about dealing with changes that I didn't get to vote on? I mean, things that came my way. An illness or an injury. I didn't plan on that. A car accident. A job change that I didn't want. Uh, losing a friend who either passed away or moved away. I mean, I can go on and on. Or a friend disappointing us. A relationship broken. If I told you that this year you will have no problems, uh, you would go, well, John, either you're smoking something or you know a secret that I don't know, uh, because that's not the way life is. In fact, on the, your outline, inside your bulletin today, you'll find an outline entitled Changing Through Struggles. Point one is we will all face trials and struggles this year, all of us. Jesus told his disciples this. He said he was going to go prepare a place for them in heaven, but he also said this. Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. You'll have many trials and sorrows. We live in a fallen world, and these things are going to come our way. Trials and sorrows. And that means we're going to have to struggle. I cannot promise you that 2018 will be a year free of struggle. In fact, I can promise just the opposite. But that doesn't mean we can't change for the better. And today... I want to share with you four insights that will help us do that. And so when problems come away, and some of you, you've already said, oh, I don't need to wait for problems and trials to come in my way in 2018. I already got some. That might be the case. And if you need some encouragement today, I got some for you. And all of us can use this this year because when the trials come, there are some things we need to meditate upon that will really help us face these things head on. So even if they're a painful change, we can still allow God to use them to change us for the better. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, uh, we live in a real world, and I thank you for a real faith and a real Bible. This is not a magic book about a magic man, and we just make magic lists, and then we have, never have any problems anymore. And sometimes people act like that's what Christianity is. But it's not. This is a real faith for a real world. And you're a real God who walks us through real problems. And you can use even the painful things in our lives to change us for the better. So today, Lord, I pray that you remind us of these things. I thank you that Jesus, the same one who died on the cross for our sins, the same one who's preparing a place for us in heaven, the same one who's coming back to take us home soon, the same one who sent the Holy Spirit to empower us, that same Jesus warned his disciples, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Please, Lord, help us think of things in light of eternity today from your perspective so we can face trials head-on, unafraid. Pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this is a, you could tell from that prayer that um, this is something that's a common problem. I meet with people all the time. They go, well, explain to me if there's a loving God in heaven why I'm going through this. And I don't ever have, I don't pretend to have easy answers. But I do remind people that we live in a fallen world. 
And it is amazing to me how many times people come and say, well, Christianity is just this thing where you say you believe in Jesus, then you won't have any more problems. And I go, who told you that? That's not true. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we're going to have many sorrows and trials. But take heart. I've overcome the world. Well, here are four things that can help us take heart. First of all, God understands our struggles. God understands our struggles. This is the whole point of celebrating Christmas when uh, we talk about with the incarnation of Jesus becoming one of us. Hebrews 4.15, this high priest of ours, speaking of Jesus, understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of grace, to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy and we'll find grace to help us when we need it the most. What is so wonderful about bringing our problems to Jesus is he gets us. I mean, my kids sometimes will have a problem. They go, well, Dad, you wouldn't understand because I've never been young. <laughs> okay. They, well, they don't think I was. Okay, anyway, they don't think I was ever a teenager. When they were teenagers, they didn't think I was ever there. When I was in college, they didn't think I went to college. I did. I said we rode horse, but anyway, to get there. But anyway, yeah, it was a long time ago. Uh, but no, I, they don't believe me. And then sometimes we'll have a talk, they go, oh, you do understand. Well, sometimes we treat God that way. Oh, I can't come to God. I mean, I'm, the problem I'm dealing with is because something I did myself. It was my own foolishness, my own sin. I mean, I knew it was wrong, so God, he's not going to help me now. He's just going to be angry at me. No, Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins. He knows exactly how messed up we are and loves us anyway. And if that's good news to you this morning, will you say amen? He also knows what it's like to grow up in a world where you get tired and you get hurt and people betray you and you die. I mean, Jesus himself knows what it's like to die, to have friends betray you, to be beaten, mocked, spit on, all of it. There's no problem that we can go through that we could say, Jesus, you don't get me. In fact, if there's anybody in the whole universe who gets us, it's him. So here's a life application. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Could we read that together, please? Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. I mean, think if we actually believe this. Man, we carry struggles and burdens that God never intended us to carry. Why don't you pray about that? Ah, uh, you wouldn't understand. Of course I would. I know the problem better than you do. And I understand you better than you understand yourself. And so Peter said, we are foolish to not pray and bring our problems to Jesus. Christian faith doesn't deny trials and struggles. It says when we have trials and struggles, we bring them to Jesus because he understands us and he understands our struggles. Point B, God will also be with us through our struggles. Not only does he understand from heaven, the Holy Spirit has been given to us, lives inside of us, so that we have help and wisdom and guidance when we need it. This is uh, not a promise just in the New Testament. It's the promise of God's people in the Old Testament. When you go through the deep waters, I'll be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression... You won't be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. That's Old Testament, Isaiah 43. Here's New Testament, John 14. Jesus speaking to his disciples again. I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another counselor. And please circle the word counselor there. I want to come back to that. 
to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and he'll be in you. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've said to you. He'll be in you. He will guide you. He'll remind you of everything I've said to you. And this is what happens when we read God's word and study it. When we go through a trial or things, right in the darkest part of the trial, when everything seems so hopeless and dreary and other things, that's when a scripture will pop to mind. That's when a, a song will come on the radio. If you're listening to a Christian radio or something, all of a sudden it's there. Or something that you haven't thought of in years. Or a friend will send you an email. And it'll be exactly what you need to hear. And a reminder of scripture. And you go, huh, what a coincidence. It'd be like somebody was watching over me, understanding what I'm going through, and sending me encouragement exactly when I need it. Ha, <laughs> lucky that happened. Well, luck doesn't have anything to do with it. God is watching over us. His Holy Spirit is inside of us. He is guiding us. And so when we go through hard times, we can count on this. When we walk through the fires, he's going to be with us. When we go through the waters, we will not drown. He's the one who pulls us to safety. Man, I got some automatic amens for those of you who are watching on, uh, online here. This is pretty good. A lively crowd. <laughs> this is exactly why it's such good news. Here's a live application for us. We must allow Jesus to guide us through our struggles. This is putting point A and point B together. If Jesus understands our struggles and he's with us, then Jesus says, let me guide you. Why would you try to figure this out on your own? Especially the things that you're struggling with because you made foolish decisions. You made a foolish decision to get in it. How are you going to get out of it on your own? Listen to Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke, my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. A yoke is a wooden beam that holds that with harnesses on it that binds two pack animals together, like two oxen. It's a wooden beam that straps them together so that when they pull the load, the load is on both their shoulders. Jesus says, when you go through hard times, he told his disciples, you're gonna have many trials and hardships. But he also told them, hey, come to me when you go through that. You get in the yoke with me, I will help you pull. Jesus has broad shoulders. But here's the catch. When you get in the yoke with Jesus, we go at his pace. And we go in his direction. He says, if you climb in the yoke with me, which means surrender your life to me, give me your problems, I'll show you which path to take. And it'll be a lot easier than the path you're going to go. Because on our path, we carry all kinds of false guilt. With our path, we carry all the expectations of the world. With our path, we carry our own fears and doubts and all this. We strap in with Jesus, and he goes, no, just keep pace with me. It doesn't mean we don't need to pull. doesn't mean we won't go through trials and struggles. What it does mean is Jesus said, you follow me, I'll give you at a pace, and compared to what you were going through, it's going to be light. Will you trust me? And see, that's always the big thing. Climbing in the harness with Jesus means, hey, Jesus, I want to go your way. The Holy Spirit, when I, we talked about before and I had you circle that word counselor, it means advocate, 
It means counselor. It means one who walks alongside. He's right there beside you. And Jesus said, if you will just listen to me, if you'll read my word and apply it and obey what I tell you to do, oh, man, life will be so much easier than you've ever thought of. But so many times, the only prayers we offer are the prayers we go, hey, Lord, this is what I'm going to do. Now bless that, okay? All right, check in later. Bye. Hey, Lord, how come you didn't give me what I wanted? I told you this is the way we're going to fix it. Now come on, chop, chop. Get the angels going up there. We got a problem to fix here. All I had to do was win the lottery. I bought the ticket, Lord. Come on now. I did my part. And we're not interested in saying, hey, Jesus, what are you trying to do? Climbing in the yoke with him. So God understands us and he's with us. And if we'll surrender our problems to him, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You'll enjoy life infinitely more if you trust me. Point C, God will use our struggles for good. He's with us. He understands us. And he's even going to use our struggles for good. Romans 5. Paul, we can rejoice too. We can rejoice, listen to that, when we run into problems and trials. That doesn't mean we're grateful for the trial. We're grateful for what it's going to do in our lives. For we know that they can help us develop endurance, and our endurance develops strength of character, and the character develops strength of our confident hope and salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. That's what the counselor does. He fills our hearts with love. He fills our hearts with hope. And when we climb in the yoke with Jesus, he goes, now you're still going to need to pull. You pull with me. And he's going to let us pull to make us strong so that we have confident hope in him. You know, when you look at this verse here, it says that endurance, if we have problems, problems help us with endurance. Endurance gives us character. Character gives us confidence and hope. Do you know that John Schmidt prays that he can proclaim the word of God confidently on Sunday mornings? So let's work that backwards. If I want confidence, then I'm going to have that when I have godly character. I'm going to get godly character by enduring lots of hardship over and over again. So John Schmidt's been praying for it. Lord, load up the hardship. (laughs) And you thought I had something going for me. Okay, anyway. But think about this. I do want confident hope. I also want a life of ease. Well, the life of pleasure, pleasures forevermore, that's coming in heaven, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But in this world, we're going to have trials and sorrows. Jesus said so. He also said, I'll be with you. I will pull the load. If you yoke in with me, the load will be relatively easy and light. Okay? And... I'll grow you through this. You'll be stronger. I mean, think if you went if you went and signed up at a gym and signed up for a personal trainer at the beginning of this year and said, this year I'm going to get in shape, and you told that trainer, I want to be this strong and weigh this much and have this much endurance when I run, then they said, well, sure, let's go, on over, let's go over to the donut shop and get some coffee and some donuts and I'll massage your feet. That's not what happened. They said, okay, this is what you want? Okay, here we go. And you're going, hey, why are you putting more weight on the bar? You said you wanted to get stronger. Hey, why are you making me run farther? 
Because you said you wanted more endurance. Hey, why are you uh, taking away some of these things I like to eat? Because you said you wanted to slim down. Oh, well, yeah. I just like to do all that without doing any of that. I'd like to be this godly person, this super spiritual person, without any struggle. It's not happening. Jesus never said it would happen. He didn't. And it gives, us, gives me great comfort to know that God's going to, when I'm going through trials and struggles, I can rejoice, not because of the trial, but because of what it's doing in me. If that brings comfort to you today, would you say amen? amen. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes for them. Now remember, unbelievers don't embrace this. If you don't believe in God and you don't believe in the Holy Spirit, and you don't believe there really is anybody who hears your prayers, who will shoulder the load with you and guide you, and you're not going to surrender your sins and foibles and failings, well, this is all crazy talk. And so many people are angry at God. If there is a God, then how come he didn't give me that job? If there is a God, how come I got in that car wreck? If there is a God, how come I got sick? There is a God, how come my business failed? Because there's nothing to redeem it. There's no eternal perspective. Here's a life application. We must trust God's goodness and wisdom. This is where faith comes in. Joseph, who'd been sold into, his, into slavery by his brothers, who hated him so much, they sold their own brother into slavery. He was a victim of human trafficking. Sold into slavery. They thought he had died. They didn't even know what had happened to him. Nobody checked on him. In fact, they didn't meet him until 20 years later. They were worried that he would try to get even with them once he found out, once they found out who he was. God had used that slave trade to take him to Egypt to get him in a position where, even though he had been spent time in prison, he was in a position where he interpreted some dreams of the servant of Pharaoh. And at the right time, he inter interpreted Pharaoh's dreams and prevented the whole country from falling into ruin during a time of famine. And so he was elevated to prime minister of the country. Later on, when he met his brothers, they were afraid when they came to buy food because they were going through the famine, Joseph could have sought revenge. And instead, what he said was this. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Do you know that God can even overrule the evil intentions of others? Do you know that this year, if you have a friend that stabs you in the back, God can use even that situation for good? Did you know that? Talk about getting stabbed in the back. That's why these stories are in the Bible. Daniel, great hero of the Bible, thrown in the lion's den by a king he served faithfully. Jesus, deserted by all his disciples, spit upon by the religious leaders who, were trying, who said they were pointing the way to God and they didn't recognize God's own son. Paul, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament, beaten, stoned, shipwrecked, left for dead. I mean, don't think that we live in a world where Christianity says, hey, you believe in Jesus and it's all uh, berries and cream or whatever you like, chocolate, if that'll do it for you. It's not all luxury and ease. God's not trying to just make me happy. 
He's accomplishing his eternal purposes. And I get to be a part of that. So do you. But we have to understand it from that perspective. And that brings us to point D, that God promises to end our struggles forever in heaven. Now look, i got to tell you this too. This is all part of the same package. Well, believing in Jesus just means everything's all easy. Well, not in this life, but in the life to come, there will be pleasures forevermore. There will be. Listen to how John describes uh, heaven, Revelation 21. God will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Look, I'm making everything new. And then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Please underline trustworthy and true. Heaven, there will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death, no more mourning. Those things are passed away. In the Garden of Eden, that's the way things were until sin came. Suffering and struggle all came as a result of sin. Praise God. Thanks be to God. He's the one who died on the cross to overcome the power of sin, to rescue us from its control. And one day in heaven, the very presence of sin will be done away with. Now this should give us great comfort. And that's the life application we must choose to view life from an eternal perspective. Heard the testimony of a young man online who had had a fall when he was, he was dropped when he was a baby. His back had been broken in multiple places. Went through surgery after surgery. 17 years old. Spent 13 of those years in the hospital. He was being interviewed at a church, and the pastor asked, "Well, um, how do you view God?" And he goes, "I believe God is gracious." He goes, "How can you say that?" And he said. Oh, because he's got the rest of eternity to make it up for me. I may have spent 13 years in the hospital. I got 13 billion years in heaven where I'm free. Now, if you understand that, then listen to this verse, 2 Corinthians 4. That's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. That character change in me, that's going to last forever. Praise God. That confident hope in Jesus, that's going to last forever. Praise God. So in the midst of struggles, these things give us hope. God's with us. He understands us. He'll empower us and use us for good. And one day, all these struggles will be over forever and ever and ever. And if you agree with that, say hallelujah. hallelujah. We don't say that enough. Now, real quickly, let me remind us of this. Here's another advantage of struggles. Struggles reveal what's in our hearts. Struggles show us. They're not only... They'll show us where we are. When we're going through a struggle, I can do a self-diagnostic real easy. Point A, our struggles will reveal if I trust God more than my circumstances. You could put the word believe. Do I really believe what I say I believe? I mean, it's easy to say I believe in God when I'm singing a song on Sunday morning or reading the Bible in my quiet time. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, I believe. Well, Jesus' disciples said they believed in him. They believed in him enough to leave their nets. The fishermen did to follow him. Matthew, tax collector, left his business, came to follow him. But then look what happened when they came into a real storm here. 
Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross the other side of the lake. So they took uh, Jesus in the boat, started out, but soon a fierce storm came up, and high waves were breaking into the boat. It began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the, wa- said to the water, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. See, they're just like us. We underestimate Jesus' power to handle the crises in our lives. They said they believed in Jesus, but Jesus can't handle storms. Jesus can't handle bills. Jesus can't handle relationships. Jesus can't handle illness. Jesus can't handle accidents. Jesus can't handle things that I didn't plan on. i got to figure this out myself and say, God, here's the way we're going to fix it. Now just do what I want you to do. Chop, chop. And if you don't do things the way I think you should have done it, I won't believe in you. I'm going to be angry forever. Because I don't want to climb in a yoke with you, and I don't want to believe in you, and I don't care about your eternal perspective. I want that job now. And welcome to Christianity in our culture, in our day, for many people. And it breaks God's heart. It also reveals where we are. The real me, what I really believe, is two things that will always reveal who I am, what I say, and what I do. I know that's a deep theological construct. But do you know how often we deny this? Oh, that's not really me. I only said that because I was angry. Well, no, I mean, when you're angry, you're, now you're letting your guard down. I mean, after a bowl of Wheaties and eight hours of sleep and a good quiet time, I seem really godly. Well, what if I didn't? What if I had to miss a meal? What if somebody just cut me off in traffic and I have a head cold? That's a different story. Or is it? How will I respond then? A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. This is Jesus talking about it. A tree is identified by its fruit. That's our actions. Figs never grow on thorn bushes, no matter what the weather is, nor grapes on bramble bushes, no matter how much water you give it. A good person produces good things from the treasury of good in his heart, and an evil person produces evil things from a treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So think about how you handled a bad struggle this last week, and some unfortunate words came out of your mouth. Oh, that's not really me. Actually, that is really you. That's really me too. And when we see those things, God is kind to us because it allows us to repent. And when you say, God, obviously I haven't trusted you in this because I still got angry over this. Would you show me how to trust you more? God, will you forgive me for that? Obviously, I'm still worried about this. Otherwise, I never would have said or done those things. One last point. Our struggles will also reveal if we desire God more than anything else. I mean, do I really want his will? James, he talked very plainly about this. What's causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? Remember, he's writing to Christians here. These are all Christians he's writing this to. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't even ask God for it. And even when you do ask, 
you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. But he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires. Do I want God's will for my life or do I want my will, my predetermined will, and I just want God to bless it? That's what he's saying. Life application, Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I should have put verse 5 in here. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. That's 37, 5. Question is, will I trust him? Do I believe? Do I desire his will? Do I desire him more than anything else? Troubles are coming. The question is, am I going to strap in the yoke with Jesus and allow him to carry the load? Am I going to allow him to drive? Am I going to allow him to guide me? Am I willing to take a look at how I'm responding to this and say, God, I don't like the way I look. I don't like what I said, and I don't like what I did. Would you change me? Obviously, I'm, my desires must be wrong if this is the kind of junk that comes out of my mouth. See, even struggles can take us to a deeper level of surrender. How much surrender does Jesus want? Mm, all of it. Lord, how much of my life do you want? All of it. And when you understand that, then you understand, oh, well, of course he can use even the hard things in my life for good. It helps me surrender more. And by the way, it's not going to last very long. We'll be in heaven soon. Would you pray with me? Lord, every time I read your word, I just shake my head and go, how did I ever think it was anything else? And why am I so afraid of change? And why am I so angry all the time? And why do I think you have to do everything the way I think? I don't even know anything about tomorrow. So we ask, Lord, that you would do a miracle in our hearts that you would draw us to a deeper relationship with you, even through the hard times. Pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus never wants us to...